Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Soash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. What's up, everybody? We are live from the Aaron booth at Sherm National in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm your host, Joel Cheeseman, flying solo as Chad works on his savage tan in Portugal. And I am here with Jocelyn King, CEO at Virgil HR. Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to embarrass myself here real quick and tell the audience that I forgot to push record when we first started talking to Jocelyn. So a lot of this is going to be her humoring me with the same questions. Uh, we'll see if you give the same answers. That that might be an interesting game to play. So for our listeners that don't know you, tell us a little bit about you and the company. Sure. So I've been an HR practitioner my entire career. I've worked predominantly for high growth technology companies based in the US and international as well. And uh, because we were high growth, we were hiring in a lot of states very quickly, either opening new locations or hiring remote workers. And it became increasingly difficult to track and comply with employment and labor laws, especially at the state and local level. There are thousands of them. They run concurrently. They supersede each other. It's a very complicated landscape. And now post-COVID, with a very dispersed workforce, it it makes for an even uh, greater challenge for HR professionals. So uh, coming from a tech background, I thought there's got to be a technology solution out there that can address this because we're going on Google and we're Googling these requirements online or we're talking to lawyers if we have the budget. It's either really time consuming and there's a high risk for error or it's expensive and you don't get the answers you need right away. Uh, So about a year and a half ago, I decided to quit my job. At the time, I was uh, VP of HR for a Series C tech startup out of the D.C. area. Uh, Learned a lot there. They went through a funding round at the time, so I learned quite a bit. Uh, Both founders actually are two of our biggest investors. They were really supportive through the whole process and made me quit my job to do this. So really fortunate for them. And, And now we've built out this solution and just launched it in March. Yeah. So Virgil. Mm-hmm. We have Hi Bob, we have Meet Frank, we have names all over the place. How'd you come up with Virgil? <laughs> yes, it is uh, a very nerdy <laughs> answer that I have for you. Um, I was a philosophy major in college. I did my uh, senior thesis on Dante's Divine Comedies. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with Dante's Inferno, for example, that's Seven the first. Seven layers, yeah. Yep, exactly. And Virgil, who's real life poet, uh, was a character in this poem, and he was this beacon of wisdom and reason and he was Virgil's guide and he took him through hell and showed him all the things that you know this is what happens when you do the wrong thing and took him up to purgatory and then heaven and I thought well you know compliance is pretty hellacious for HR and so we're a guide and we can show you hey this is what happens when you do the wrong thing and we're going to take you to the right direction then it's a little pertinent got it got it yeah uh, podcasting with Chad is my seven layers of hell, but that's a different <laughs> that's a different interview. So you guys are brand new, not even out of diapers yet. Uh, you raised one point five million in pre seed funding. Talk about that. What are you doing with the money? What do you plan on doing with the money? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we closed that round in December. We were really fortunate. We have four institutions who were part of that round, including TechStars and Sherm Labs. Um, 
having Sherm on board was was really exciting because they've only ever done an outside investment like that with one other company. And it was the same time as when they invested in us. Um, anything else has kind of been through their accelerator or through funds. So that was really cool that they had as much confidence in what we were doing and that they really felt like um, the product that we were uh, bringing to market was something that was was really needed by the HR community. Um, so we closed that in December and it was a great process. I felt really supported along the way. I don't think a lot of women in tech necessarily feel that way. And I, I certainly had my fair share of experiences where I was definitely treated differently because I was a woman. Uh, but for the most part, just had an incredible journey and experience and met a ton of people who were really supportive. So that was good. Um, and we've, we've been spending the money um, on the product side, for sure. Yep. Uh, but now that the product has launched, we're very focused on the marketing side in particular. So that's where our funds have really kind of been reappropriated to okay. more recently. I'm glad you brought that up. So you have a deep understanding of HR. Uh, just go check out her LinkedIn profile if you want to learn more about that. You have a tech background. doesn't really scream sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. So what's been effective for you in terms of the getting to market and letting people know and build the brand and ultimately get sales? Yeah. So we launched product in March, and that's when we started marketing. Um, we first first went for the conference route. So we started the, the conference train, I guess, and uh, went through that. And it was it was really good to us. We were really successful in these conferences. We started um, generating a pretty pretty good pipeline, yep. uh, acquired customers, started generating revenue, etc. So that was really exciting. We've also been working a lot on content marketing. And that's something that takes some time to build up. But we've been working on that quite a bit. Can we see you karaokeing on TikTok as part of your uh, marketing strategy, or not so much? You know what? I've I uh, have never been able to get into TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't been able to do it, and nobody wants me to do karaoke. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. They don't want me to do it either. They do not want me to do that either. Yeah. So we've we've been critical of Sherm investing in companies on the show, and you're a real life example of a company that has gotten money. Is the criticism? of saying Sherm shouldn't get in the business of financing companies that are exhibitors at their show or not giving money to people who are exhibitors. Um, do you get an unfair advantage by being a Sherm member? Do they give you access to the mailing list and things like that? Is it a fair criticism or not? Uh, well, I'm not familiar with the criticisms you all have given on Sherm, but I can tell you just from my own experience, Sherm typically invests in funds. If they're investing in individual companies, it's either through their accelerator or, in my case, independently, uh, Virgil HR and another company. Um, And I think that at least the companies that I know who've gone through the accelerator and then the other company who they'd invested in the same time they invested in me, these were companies that that are trying to bring a product that is very focused on the user, uh, that really addresses a need and a pain point and is committed to ensuring the the customer experience during the product journey. And that's been pretty consistent with the companies that they've invested in directly. Yeah. Um, 
I don't get preferential treatment actually at all. Okay. Uh, being a company that's invested in by Sherm, uh, I wish I did. But um, I, yeah, no introductions to customers, okay. no discount on the booth, no mailing list access, nothing like that. Well, that's very refreshing to hear, actually. <laughs> Our listeners will like to, uh, to know that. Um, what does a typical customer look like? Uh, big companies, I figure they wouldn't be because they can afford their own lawyers. Is mm-hmm. it a small business? Somewhere in the middle? What does a customer look like? Yeah, so uh, we really work with companies that generally have 2,500 employees or under. Mm-hmm. There's some that are over, uh, but for the most part, it's, it's 2,500 and under, and that's because they generally don't have internal employment and labor law counsel. Yep. So they're having to, HR is having to go out and do all this work themselves or they're using outside legal counsel and it's expensive. So we're, we're helping displace some of the legal fees that they would otherwise be paying because they're able to get this information at a fraction of the cost through our product. And uh, we have um, customers that have as, as little as 11 employees. So there's a wide range of, of customers that uh, we work with today, but Across the board, they're all multi-state or they're in California, which is a really complicated state to deal with. Um, and I, th- I think that you kind of, that's where you really start getting that level of complexity with employment and labor laws when you have to deal with so many jurisdictions. So yep. across the board, that's pretty similar profile-wise. So a lot of state talk. Are you a global footprint? Uh, are you restricted to the U.S., English only? Talk about that. Sure. So, yeah, we just launched in March, as I mentioned. Yeah. So we cover U.S., all 50 states in the district. We do plan on moving into Canada next year uh, and then move on from there just based on kind of market demand and what maybe our current customers are asking for, too. So you're, you're a pre-seed. Uh, I would think that a little more money might make that global growth uh, opportunity more amenable. Are you looking to raise more money? How much? Talk about that. So we actually started our seed round last week. We're raising a $3 million seed round and uh, have just started having active conversations with VCs that invest in the future of work. So we're uh, very new to that process. And... uh, you know, hopefully that gets closed by September because we do have some pretty aggressive growth goals and um, some goals in mind product-wise, like expanding internationally and bringing AI into our product. Sure. So you mentioned AI. When I toured the product, one of the things I initially said was, ChatGPT is going to destroy this company. <laughs> um, I know I'm wrong by the look on your face, but I want you to tell me why I'm wrong that ChatGPT can't replace what Virgil does for your customers. Sure. So today, if you went on to ChatGPT and you asked it, what are the requirements for an employer when an employee is taking maternity leave in California? It will give you information about the CFRA, but it doesn't even tell you about the FMLA or PDL or if they're in San Francisco, PPLO, all these other, even the ADA. Uh, all these other laws that are relevant to that employee taking maternity leave that you have to comply with, uh, which is really dangerous. So ChatGPT today can't handle the field of law. It's too complicated for it. Um, our chatbot is actually hand-programmed by labor and employment attorneys. So they're looking at every single scenario pretty holistically. 
uh, in the future, AI could get to that point yeah. where it could do that. And that's where we would be looking at incorporating some of that AI into our product. Uh, but along the way, we're also working on a roadmap that builds out additional functionality uh, to risk and compliance. Um, uh, for example, uh, once we close our seed round, we'll be building a predictive risk feature in our product where it will actually be able to determine percentage-wise the level of risk you have in getting successfully sued for certain decisions you make, like terminating an employee or some form of disciplinary action or an accommodation, for example. And so we'll, we'll continue to build and grow. And uh, what we'd really like to be is, is taking hold of that compliance footprint and uh, go well beyond even just our chatbot today. So did I hear you say that you created an assessment to tell a company, hey, you have a 50% chance of getting sued if you if you do this mm-hmm. i would assume that's pretty valuable mm-hmm. um now when i look at your pricing which you publish on your site so i'll, I'll applaud that for sure but it it seems kind of low mm-hmm. you're nodding that it is i assume yeah. prices will go up at some point but where did you come because i would think that you have to be lower than uh the cost of a lawyer mm-hmm. but you have to be higher than the cost of googling was there some algorithm? Because I know you're a science person. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a science. Somewhere, well, somewhere <laughs> in the in the seven layers of hell, did you figure yeah. out how to how to how to do pricing and how will that change in the future? Well, uh, my spatial reasoning is limited, uh, so there is no science involved. So we actually did an exercise when I was going through TechStars and interviewed about 75 HR leaders and ask them, how much are you spending today on this type of challenge? And how much would you be willing to spend for a solution that did X? And we took that information and then figured out, okay, this is how we want to price it out by company size. In our case, our pricing is uh, kind of a mix between the license and the usage-based approach. And that's to cater to uh, the size of a company, essentially, and how often we would expect they'd be using the chatbot. Um, so it is intentionally low right now. I'd call it early adopter pricing yeah. because what we're most concerned about today is business, is product market fit and showing that we can bring in customers. We're not as focused on the revenue side quite yet. Okay. Once we get to that point, we'll increase our prices and um, be a bit more competitive. Do you think you'll be grandfathering in the current price uh, to customers that hold on? Um, I have not decided yet, okay. so I'm not going to answer that question. So you're saying question. there's a chance. <laughs> you're saying there's a chance. Talk about the competition. Are there others that do this? Uh, this is a pretty new space for me, but uh, do you have others breathing down your neck? Are there established players, or are you just the brand new kid on the block with nobody else around? Uh, no, there, there are absolutely other companies that have been trying to solve this challenge as well. Okay. Um, you know, you've got companies like Mammoth or Expert HR, for example. I'd call them digital libraries, websites where you can dig into the content they have and do some research and, and figure out, oh, okay, this is the law that's relevant for X, Y, and Z. Uh, the problem is that it's very time consuming and um, it doesn't always have the information you need holistically. And by that, I mean, if you were looking at that maternity leave example in California, it might not say these are all the laws that you need to consider. And oh, by the way, if the person's in San Francisco, there's an additional law that you need to consider as well. So it's not comprehensive. You have to look through a lot of stuff. 
um, and it's quite time consuming. Nobody else is really leveraging technology in the way that we are to make things more efficient and automate this process. And nobody is providing prescriptive legal guidance as well. So after our chatbot identifies what laws are applicable to a certain task and employee, we then give step-by-step guidance on everything that HR practitioner needs to do to be compliant with all applicable laws. Nobody's doing anything like that today. So then after you figure out what laws are relevant, you then have to go and figure out, okay, now what do I have to do to actually be compliant with each individual law? And that's really time consuming. Are you a feature or a product? Um, You know, I think that every HR tech company gets asked this question and it's a little bit unfair. Oh, okay. Um, You know, I think that we are a company that is working toward being a product. Um, maybe even a platform. That's where we'd like to get to. But I do think that there is an opportunity to um, uh, partner with HRISs, for example, and be an an added commodity to their marketplace as well. So um, it's a good question. And I think at the moment, we're just still too young to truly have a definitive answer. Why do you think it's an unfair question? Um, Because I, I do think that in particular, it happens to HR tech companies. HR tech companies get asked that question. And uh, and so it's a little frustrating when you're in the HR tech community. And I say this just my experience sure. of working with investors because I know that that's not getting asked the same way in other industries. And it's kind of like... You could say almost any company is a feature. It, it just... I don't know. I don't like it. Okay. Well, I appreciate you answering it, not telling me to fuck off uh, as as an unfair question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Do you want to be a platform? Uh, It sounds like you're not in it for the quick flip. It sounds like you're building something for the future. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, round A must be in the future and further rounds. Is that what we're looking at with uh, Virgil? Yeah, absolutely. This is something that I want to do for a bit. You know, I want to spend some time on it. I think that there's a lot of potential in the compliance and risk management space that has yet to be explored by us and by others. And it would be very neat if we could be that one-stop shop um, for for these types of um, situations that HR practitioners go through. And if we can do it internationally, that would be incredible as well. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah so I definitely plan on being around for a while. All right. Well, I, I appreciate you sitting down with us. Best of luck to you. For our listeners that want to connect with you or the company, where would you send them? Uh, yeah, I think uh, LinkedIn's a great place. Please find me on LinkedIn. Um, but you can also always shoot us an email as well, jking at virgilhr.com. Awesome. That is another one in the can, everybody. We are live from the Aaron booth at Sherm National. Jocelyn, thanks for sitting down and uh, chatting with us. We out. Wow. Look at you. You made it through an entire episode of the Chat and Chase podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast-forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell, enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey, or just watch big booty Latinas and bug fights on TikTok. No, 
you hung out with these two chuggleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. But save some soap, because you'll be back. Like an awful train wreck, you can't look away. And like Chad's favorite western, you can't quit them either. We out. <laughs>